0: welcome to the Amy Edwards Show. I'm your host, Amy Edwards. Of course, as usual, I'm beyond excited about today's guest, Dr. Jess, Jess Garza. Jess, I, I, I can't wait to get to her and tell you all about her. First, let me go through a little business up top. Thank you for being here. We're all about transforming our lives and bettering ourselves all the time in the most efficient way possible because, you know... Why not get there a little bit faster and accelerate the process if we can? I'm all about it, and I'm just so excited that you're here. Please, if you feel called during this show, share it with a friend. Write us a review and a rating. Sign up for the newsletter on my website at amyedwards.com. I'm just so excited to keep this show growing and keep ourselves just rising higher and higher together. So super grateful for you. And I was just discussing, in, <laughs> discussing intention today with our guest, Jess, and um, you said that you're all about intention, and I'm just so excited to learn from you today because you are a wealth of knowledge. You have a PhD in performance psychology, a master's in clinical mental health counseling, a master's in sports (laughs) and exercise psychology, a lot of things uh, going on (laughs) in your background, and I would love for you to share a little bit more about everything that you do because there's so much...
1: There is a ton. Um, I've gotten, so yes, to all those, all of those degrees. I am a sports psych and work with a ton of different populations from military intelligence, special forces, all the way down to youth soccer and every Olympian pro athlete in between. Um, but I didn't always start that way. I started way back as a, College student that wanted to work with a professional athletes, specifically gymnasts. And at that time, I was finishing up my counseling degree and I was working in the jail systems. And so I was working with wow. domestic violence, substance abuse, and sex offenders. And at that time, I was pregnant with my daughter, so I had some difficulties with some of the sex abuse cases that I was on because it was just really hard to hear while I was being pregnant. Oh, I have no doubt. Um, so I knew that I had to get off those cases pretty quickly because I got jaded pretty fast. And as a counselor, you have to be pretty clear and open mm-hmm. to help them through their traumatic experiences as well. So I had a professor that was like, you should submit a resume to the military. And I'm like, no, I have no desire to work with soldiers. Thank you, though. <laughs> and ends up submitting it for me and got a notification like, we need you to fly out to New York. We would love to have you. So went out to West Point. I was like, oh, that's fine. My sister lives in New York. I'm gonna. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'll just. It's a nice free vacation to go see her. So I go, and I fell in love with the campus. I oh, fell in it's love so
0: beautiful. My sister got uh, married there. I've been up there a she? few times. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It really is. And you can't explain it until you're there, because it's the culture is just so different. Mm-hmm. And so when I got there, I'm like, yep, this is what I'm doing. so within two weeks, they were like, pick a city that you want to go to. And I ended up choosing Fort Bragg, working with Special Forces. And at the time, my daughter was 9, 10 months, and it was just her and I. Moved wow. from Phoenix to North Carolina and— had my first big girl job.
0: Yeah, and then you I should also add, I wanted to add this up <laughs> top that you have a TED Talk that has nearly 2 million views yeah. and it's excellent. It's so you're so clear and you laid out your strategies so well which we're going to talk about some today. So, Good. did you continue your education then while your daughter was young and
1: I did. So I had by the time I had her, I was finishing up my second masters. I was pregnant with her in my second masters. Wow. And then left to go work with the military. Mm-hmm. And then I started my PhD program while I was with the military. And um, well, and was, how long yeah, did that take you? Four and a half, five years.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's so impressive. <laughs> You're so impressive. Thank you. Yes. I, I just um, <laughs> and and not only on top of that, you do a lot with business. And I mean, there was a lot on your LinkedIn. So, (laughs) right. You're a certified project management professional. I'm not even sure exactly what you do with that. Um, And a mental performance consultant.
1: Yeah. So I also um, the mental performance goes back into the certification of what I do to help our credentials in our field be better better equipped and accredited and uh, supplying services to athletes, coaches, all the above. Mm-hmm. From the business standpoint, I go in and really work at um or look at mental health, wellness and well-being within the um employees from CEOs all the way down. A lot of the CEOs have constant high rates of like alcoholism, domestic violence, um, wow, and a significant amount of stress, inability to build relationships back at home or even like in the office, cause it's just so high demanding things all day long for themselves. And so mm-hmm. they don't even know how to decompress. And so we go in and have like one-on-one strategies with them. And then with the team, um, this kind of goes back in with a little bit of the Ted talk too, just how much we relate to one another and how much we transfer things onto one another but unconsciously and how much we take on of other people's just shit throughout the day. Yeah. And we don't we don't do anything with it, mm-hmm. except we just keep piling it. And then until our body's like, I got to stop.
0: And-, and you're like, why do I feel terrible? Correct. Yeah. One of my things th- that's like one of the things in looking through your work that really yeah. resonated with me, because over the past couple years, what I've tried to facilitate in myself through meditation and everything else that I do yeah. is this concept of nothing can disturb my vibe mm. and just saying so strong in my own peace and yeah. my own self, my own sense of self and my own emotions and being so strong in that that. I'm not taking on other people's things. Cause I'm, susse- yes. I'm one of these people that's like energetically. And I <laughs> think too. honestly, as humans, we just are, Yeah. yeah which I bet you would probably have probably seen a ton of that, you know, yeah. and I just pick, can pick up people's energies really quickly. And I've always been hyper tuned to that Yeah. and it can affect me. So it's like, what do I need to do to really yes. uh, be in that space?
1: So I'll say, and I don't know, your history as a kid growing up but i can tell you from mine that i'm also one of those people that can quickly pick up on other people's Mm -hmm. energies i've also been trained to read body language as well Mm -hmm. but for me that or a lot of the research will say that people that are more empathetic have gone through a lot more trauma as a kid and it's been more of a survival mechanism to assess the threat in the room and so trauma doesn't have to be like complete sexual abuse or anything along those lines it could just be like constant argument in the household or constant expectations being let down or not feeling good enough and so they're having to constantly prove themselves and those individuals typically will be more hardwired to pick up those cues to to make sure that one they're safe in their environment and two to understand like do I need to get out do I need to stay so it's interesting
0: yeah and you know I've done a lot of excavating around that in myself just in the last year and that's been interesting because i tend not to think back on my childhood too much and yeah when i did the aces score the adverse mm-hmm. childhood experience score which i recommend people check out yeah. like mine is really super low yeah so my traumas are more like the constant awareness of like my dad being mad because i was yeah. scared of my dad he was big and he was scary but he's a super nice guy right. And like he he was doing he did a great job he was yeah. a great dad my parents are both past now and um Anyway, though, I was like hyper tuned into that, mm-hmm. and I was the littlest one in the family, so yeah, I think that there's a lot yeah around that.
1: Oh, absolutely For me, I, I had a little bit more traumatic experiences that caused me to be more hyper aware, um, which has led me into one of the most amazing providers that I think that my experiences I've had a vast range I mean which I've been able to relate to a lot of different people from uh, sexual abuse with mm-hmm. the whole gymnastics. Um, when I was a kid growing up and then, you know, family, friends, and then I've had where I fell into alcohol because I wanted to escape that feeling of feeling just like gross in gymnastics with my coach. And then, um, you know, having a kid out of wedlock and then having to find a career on my own and women in an all male environment. I mean, there's just so many things that I've like, when I look back now married and then divorced, it's like, I, I.
0: And I'm not even sure you mentioned the male dominated fields that you're yeah. in, like military and right. sports. I yes, mean, come on.
1: It's, it's a lot. <clears throat> and I think that the way that I've gotten through a lot of those is realizing that they're not always for me, that everything that I've gone through has also been to relate or to build somebody else up in a different way. So that I'm like, OK, I, it, it doesn't you don't get stuck in feeling sorrow for yourself or sad it's like i'm gonna get through this and i know that i'm gonna be able to help another soul another human being quicker faster and understand and hold space for them not to like pull them through the journey but to hold space for them to allow them to grow and know that they're not alone because i think we shy so much on like this is i shouldn't be saying this this is you know my stuff this is ucky stuff i don't want the world to see this but what if the people that are up top that have made it very successful have had the same crappy kind of situation that you've been in and they still made it and mm-hmm. they can make it too kind of thing.
0: Oh, so well said. Yeah. And if we can, you, you talk a lot about reframes and that's a, yes. like a huge reframe of how you can see your own.
1: Yes. Obstacles. Absolutely.
0: Essentially. And get through them in a totally different way when they have some kind of purpose. Yes. Almost attached to them.
1: I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. And then just understanding that, like, I don't know how much you go into, like, the soul's journey. I'm, really I'm into it. In, okay. I'm here for it. me. Same. Great. So I truly believe that, and I have an amazing mentor that I see now who's, like, my energy kind of healer, helper. Her name's Amanda. She's fantastic and has really helped me grow in the last couple of years and accelerate the growth. When we're talking about, like, I just want to accelerate this. I want to, mm-hmm. I don't have to sit and just. When's it coming? Like we were create, we're energetic beings that get to create our own force. And so why not get in tune with what that looks like to be able to have more access to opportunities and things, manifestation, if you will, come your way. And so uh, working with her, you know, our souls before entering our, you know, our bodies pick the things that we're going to go into or experience. But when we get into the earthly body, we don't, we're not always aware because we're so you know, five sensory that were like, oh, why is this happening to me? And then if I can just step back from them, it's like, I welcomed this into my world because this was the lesson that I chose that I wanted to learn. And now that I understand that, I mean, you have to be on a more self transcendent, level, transcendence level. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause any level underneath there, you're now adding judgment with hard emotions to it. And it's hard to separate it when you're at self transcendence, which is what I did my dissertation on um, more of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The top of his pyramid in most books will say self-actualization. Mm-hmm. Right before he died, he did a whole research on self-transcendence and how you can um, see yourself almost like in an aerial view, seeing the person just, let's just say you got an argument with somebody not being nice to you, but I'm not holding judgment to it. I'm just watching it unfold and not having an opinion to it. I mean, you can, but then I'm now back down to another level. And if I do, then I'm like, okay, that person is struggling with X. That's a them thing, not a me thing, and I don't have to hold on to it. So that's one way to separate the conflict between two people or the situation or event. Do you do actual visualizations around this? Um, or... I have um, yeah. with myself for sure, and mm-hmm. I have with other clients too, depending on what the situation may be with them.
0: So maybe you just close your eyes and actually visualize the situation and you above it?
1: Um, that and if there's somebody that's – so I love my mom to death. She's incredible. And we talk okay, about, I feel like that's we, a little disclaimer there. So, and we talk about this quite a bit because we're both on different levels, and that's okay. Like, I love my mom for who she is, but I can't love her for who I want her to be. And so, there's sometimes that I want her to be on this plane, but she's on this plane.
0: Oh my gosh, that goes for so many people. So know? many, and it's it's frustrating because you're yes. like, come
1: on, and you're like, if you would just respond here, this is like this is all I need. But my mom won't ever be able to fill some of these needs that I need her to do, and so then I'm getting frustrated at her. But she's doing everything to the top of her capability to be able to provide to show love to show support but this gap of what i feel i need is never going to be fulfilled and so now i'm causing conflict because i'm more self-aware of what that need is and what she can and can't do but she's in her mind doing everything like Mm -hmm. what more do you want for me because this is all i can give and so i have to acknowledge and i think about this too with my ex-husband I, I truly believe that he loved me to the best of his capability, but I needed this and it wasn't happening. And so still love him to death, but it's not what I needed. And he's on a different plane and I'm on a different plane. And I had one energy healer at one point that was like, Jess, you know, you're the problem in the marriage. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> it is not me. And she was like, it is you. Cause you're aware that he can't meet this level on a spiritual and energetic level. He won't ever be able to meet that. And you're suffering him, trying to get him to that place. And his soul and journey is not there. He's here. And I'm like, I've never not been the problem. or I've never been the problem. But that's such a wild reframe. Oh, my gosh. Because you're
0: like, no, they're the problem because they're not doing it.
1: And I'm like, I know what they need to do. They're like, no, that's that's you trying to pull them too far on their journey way ahead of time instead of letting them settle and do it. And they're like, and nor should you be having to slow yourself down to be on their journey, it's okay to still have love and support with each other, but be on two different paths. And, mm-hmm. but now then we get into cultural views of like, well, if I separate, then that means that like, here we go. I, I just went through a divorce and what are we doing to the kids? But it's not even about the kids. To, it is. And I don't mean it that way, but it's not about the kids in the sense that when you think again about journeys and souls, the kids also chose this path and these parents and knew that this was going to be happening. Like we all did agreements before coming into our bodies and then going forward.
0: That's such a trip. Right? Is there a difference between (laughs) self-awareness and self-transcendence?
1: Yes. Big. Um, Oh, I'm so glad I asked because I was
0: thinking, oh no, she's probably going to go. No, it's the same thing.
1: um, There's different levels to it, I think. So self-awareness, I can be self-aware that my heart feels like it's beating out of my chest. I can be self-aware that... The lights in this room are causing me to sweat or something i can be self-aware that um when i get nervous my voice will start to shake or i'll feel like a red tomato and as brown as i am i'll be red mm-hmm. so if i am aware of all these in i call them indicators the self-awareness provide me indications of where i'm at self-awareness is allowing me to have more of a separation between body and soul where i can just exist
0: or you mean self-transcendence or self-transcendence yeah Mm -hmm. where i
1: can just exist and where i can just freely move and just feel like this it's kind of like this ecstasy kind of feeling of just like flow and just ease ease is a good word for self-transcendence it just feels ease you have more of those ah kind of experiences where you're just like this is this is how it's supposed to feel and not forced but some of the self-awareness we're having to do like we're doing checks we're just scanning Hmm. and if i'm scanning that i'm not in a transcendent place because i'm not like in the state of just like floating i'm in the state of just processing Ooh, that's a good way to see it so i'm overlooking but if i'm self-aware i'm scanning where i need to be what i should be assessing or feeling thinking and then i'm taking action to whatever it is my intention is so you need both absolutely okay Self-transcendence is hard because there's different stages of it, though. So and when I say stages, like, so self-actualization is finding my purpose. I found my purpose. I'm living my purpose. And then above that, I just get to be free. And so where I don't have any judgments, I know I'm living my most authentic self. That's the place. That's, like, the goal to get to, the, the peak of the pyramid. Most people don't get past, like, the self and belonging stage. Like, I feel like I have to be belonged to a group, to appear and never get past even like the pyramids of what um, his heart, Ablo- what is it, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I used to get kind of down on myself about this whole like find your tribe thing, and I'm not the biggest fan of that. How do you feel about that, especially since you work with teams?
1: <laughs> I struggled with that, and I struggled with it even as a kid. I have taken the most unbeaten path. <laughs> And it's caused me conflict in a lot of work conditions because I, I speak more freely, and it's not to be condescending or to like put anybody down. It's just, well, can we cre- can we create and think about something else? So, um, have you ever done the what is it called? It's like I want to say it's like a soul soul design or body design, human design, or human design. Yes. Ooh, okay, there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a manifesting generator,
0: but I don't know enough about it. So. Same.
1: Okay. But so those type of individuals can create things. We can say it and then naturally create it. So we get to say like, you know, today I, I'm thinking that maybe I should do this. And then within a couple of hours, somehow it's already like manifested and created. Great. So <laughs> Sounds we about right get to like move things quickly. And mm-hmm. so for me, I would call things out. I'm like, well, what if we just did this? And then by the next moment I had it, but it was too fast for some people because there wasn't, there's so many procedures that i in the worlds that I operated it. And it was, we had to make a list and then we had to talk about it. We had to do this. I'm like, yeah, but what if we just did it?
0: Like, yeah. What if we just did it?
1: And so uh, there's some struggles back and forth. So, but
0: it's, I think there's a, a mental leap that you can make that you can do that, which I, t- yes. that's what I'm kind of saying on this show. I think when I say in a more efficient way, like you don't, you don't necessarily have to go through all this. Like no. maybe you just, you just do it. Yeah. You know?
1: Yes. And I think that's when, when you're really connected with, and in tune who you are and with the universe and you just let it like be as is everything naturally provides. And I've learned that more in the last two to three years than I could ever want. I left the military, um, a couple years ago and moved out to Austin, had no idea what I was going to do. It was like middle of pandemic. I had put in like tw- like easy 250 resumes to like, get onto somewhere. No response. And I'm like, I have all of these credentials, all these accolades, all the things I've done. I know I'm better than have these people that are putting them there. It sounds really cocky, but that's how I genuinely felt. And nobody was taking me in. I'm like, okay. So then I'm like. Uh. I mean, you
0: are uber qualified. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. I did
1: feel that way. <laughs> yes. And then I'm like, well, clearly something else is happening or creating. But instead, like in that, during that time, I couldn't separate from the rejection that I kept getting from what I was meant to be doing and if I would have just shifted over and been like you're being rejected because there's this whole are you ready to
0: up level your pleasure practice I have in mind and one of the tools that I've used is from wands that's w-a-a-n-d-s one of my favorite items that they have is the cervix wand It is their number one best-selling glass pleasure wand for vaginal and anal de-armoring. That means more sensation. That means more getting in touch with your body. It's designed for cervical and G-spot stimulation, and it has helped thousands of women become more connected to themselves and their own pleasure while supporting them to heal pelvic pain through self yoni massage. So if you are curious about getting more in touch with yourself, then I have an offer for you. You can get a discount using my code, Amy Edwards, but if you use the link in the show notes, you can get 20% off from wands. They have so many other beautiful items to choose from. With a large selection of 100% pure crystal pleasure wands, they create the most gorgeous luxurious products that encourage you to honor your body, celebrate your sexuality, and live in pleasure, which is a big part of what we're about on this show. And yes, I use one myself. So go today to wands.com, that's W-A-A-N-D-S, and use the code Amy Edwards for 10% off, or use my link in the show notes for 20% off of your purchase from Wands. Again, my favorite is the cervix wand. It is trademarked. And it is amazing. Take it from me. Check it all out and the reviews on wands.com. That's w a a N D S.com and use my link in the show notes for 20% off.
1: So the moment that I just kind of like reflected and found, um, my mentor, things just moved. I still was without a job, um, for about a year and a half during the pandemic when we moved and, I was like, well, maybe I'll just start my own sports psychology center. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No no job. I need a bank loan and all these things. So I went to five different banks, got denied. And I was like, that's okay. You just got to ask one more time. And this lady's like, absolutely. Like somehow I get this bank loan with like no job to support the bank loan in the meantime. But I knew that I could do it. And now I have this 2,600 square foot facility that trains cognitive performance and well-being in athletes and how to be able to like connect and move things with more ease but I would never have thought like that would have been even an option a year and a half ago and so now I'm like okay it's not I my, I have goals and I have intentions but I also am in the moment and place in my life where it's like let's see what cool stuff happens today like what else pops up today just unexpectedly un, and and how do we roll with it and like let the let the universe come and provide because i know that it is yeah because everyone's like why aren't you just terrified it's gonna like fail and like you're gonna go bankrupt and all these things like no like i know that i am so universally like divinely protected and that what will be shall be and it when you get to that point of just freeness you don't have to worry as much and be on these like five sensory levels of like anxious and doubt does it creep in a hundred percent yeah we're human We are human but then I, on the same breath, I'm like, but every time it always works out. So
0: every time it does. Every time. I said that to a friend just the other night, and she was like, she's been going through some stuff. And I was said, You're going to be okay. And she goes, You think? And I go, When have you ever not been okay? Right. Let's just really assess that. And yeah. she thought about it. And then she was like, Yes, I am. And I was like, Yes, you're. Yeah. Come on. And that's something I think comes more with age and experience Mm -hmm. at least for me it really has yeah I am hoping to model that to my children now for sure and I'm noticing that I guess partly because I'm turning 50 like this week I guess when this comes out I'll have just turned 50 so yeah happy
1: early birthday thank you
0: (laughs) and I've realized that I'm just over it with Mm -hmm. worrying and I'm just over it with feeling like I'm not going to be okay I'm just over it and I'm I'm Moving into a new mental space where I've decided I'm yeah. going to roll in this feeling good space, knowing it's all going to be okay because it always is.
1: It is. But how cool if we can teach our kids to choose that early on and see the growth and momentum that they get so much faster than what we did. Instead of being like, "Okay, I'm just exhausted of feeling this way." Yeah. Now I'm going to choose it. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's yeah. what it was for me. Too. It's kind of resulted out yeah, of that so it's for like, me. Cool, great things. <laughs> But now like because I'm doing the same thing with my daughter and she's gone through some traumatic events with like her dad and my ex-husband. And so she's like, well, when does it ever get easier? And I said, well, it doesn't necessarily always get easier. It gets easier by how we choose to view the situations and if we're going to choose to feel free or happy in this and she's 11 asking these pretty profound questions and i'm like oh uh, well, she's your daughter sure. so. <laughs> I'm like, uh, i think i answered that one right um mm-hmm. but no so it's pretty cool to watch her growth and then it's so she had a couple friends that had some struggles too with like some family dynamics and she was like, you know, you just gotta think about it this way. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. Like way to encourage them the same wow. way that <gasps> we're talking even on the show. So it's just spreading. It is, Oh, I mean, this is so good. That's
0: so cool. And back to what you were talking about, I thought of a good example in my own life. When I was getting my first divorce, I was so nervous cause I couldn't find a place to live. And oh, yeah. I had, I've been divorced twice and I was looking for a place to live and I was so stressed and mm-hmm. someone said to me, um, your house is out there. You just have to find it. And it was so comforting because I thought, I am going to live somewhere. <laughs> right. And it is out there. Yeah. Somewhere. And I thought, oh, and so, you know, when you think about a job you want or a purpose or whatever it is, like it's out there. Yeah. It's just You're It's just a matter of getting there. And oh, yeah. if we could all relax more into that knowing like it's Mm -hmm. out there whatever it is
1: yep Mm -hmm. we talk a lot too about if I'm living in the future I'm creating anxiety if I'm living in the past I'm constantly creating depression now there's extremes of anxiety and depression that I feel when I'm reviewing past or future but when I live for now you feel this level of just like where you could breathe Mm mm-hmm and we're not breathing enough. So then we're not getting enough oxygen to our head and then not having clarity in our thoughts because now our emotions are taking over. And when we talk about like resetting the brain too. So a lot of our decision-making and strategizing and thinking is all from our prefrontal cortex, the amygdala, which is what we call the emotional part of the brain. A lot of people do. I like to call it the familiarity part of the brain. It really just assesses, have I done this before? And is it a threat? If I feel like I've been in this kind of environment before, the last time it was probably scary. So now this time I'm, I'm thinking that it might be scary again. That's It's just an assessment of familiarity. And so the only way to shut down the amygdala emotional part of the brain is to rewire it from like going behind the brain. There's no direct relationship right back to it. So you have to take a nice big deep belly breath, slow your like your breathing rate down, so that you can slow the process because again the amygdala can shut down the prefrontal cortex but to do that we have to go around the brain and shut it from behind what, does that, what does that mean exactly
0: though it yeah, means so, doing it from your breath and that um, way rather than think rather than trying to think it into yes, change
1: because it will <laughs> because you're so emotionally triggered that mm-hmm. your your decision making and strategic thought process of how to shut that down has been override by your emotion brain so
0: you come from like your physiology rather than yep okay
1: now i'm slowing down my heart rate and i'm just assessing the situation for what it is again for not for what Mm -hmm. i want it to be and then i'm giving myself a directive like okay right now just put your feet into the ground so we're doing more grounding techniques to energetically reconnect with the electromagnetic energy in the, in the ground as we are human beings too. So now it's almost like our little reset. I always think of the avatar movie. Have you ever seen avatar? Mm -hmm. It's literally like that. So when they're like plugging in their tail into the tree, when we put our feet into the earth, we're really resetting and reconnecting from an energy standpoint and recentering our bodies to be able to have a conscious thought process of where we want to go next or what we want to
0: do. Do you do that every day? What do you do?
1: I'm not the best at it. Um, What I do is a lot of salt baths, Um, salt baths, collect energy as well. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, one of my mentors had talked about um, energy hygiene. And so like brushing our teeth, we'll go and brush our teeth. We're not thinking when we're brushing our teeth, oh, I'm going to get all these like little germs out. I got one in the back. Like we don't think like that. We just brush and then get going. But during the day, so we haven't talked about this yet, but we collect so much energy from everybody else there is scientific data that can read that we can manipulate each other's energies up to three feet because our electric magnetic field is intertwined. And so if I wanted to, I start to, you know, get my heart rate up, it would naturally increase your heart rate just because our fields are intertwined at the moment.
0: Crazy. So wild. So wild.
1: Then I can slow mine down and then make you feel calm. So if I was like, It's already starting to work. Yeah, yeah. So like that one person, you're like,
0: "What are you doing? Please speak, please speak." <laughs> no, I, 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 clued into it. I was like, "Oh, I see what's yeah. happening here." But so
1: it can and make somebody I, feel. Super... I actually
0: opened myself up a little bit to it too. Oh, instead cool. yeah. of not, instead of talking and filling the space, I was like, "I see what she's doing, yeah. and I'm going to go with it." And oh, so good. you know, you can choose to open up to it or not yes you
1: absolutely can and so most people aren't as attuned to that yeah and so they'll start to be like what is she freezing what's happening we're on a show get to start talking um (laughs) (laughs) when that happens though like it's interesting that it only takes one person to change that dynamic and so we interact with lots of people throughout the day depending on what your job is it can be like hundreds of people throughout the day and you're constantly interchanging those fields Mm mm-hmm and taking on some of those people consciously and unconsciously. So me being one of those people that did do that, one of the suggestions was taking salt baths. And a salt bath for 15 minutes, you put the Morton's iodized salt on there, like regular table salt. Oh, not Epsom salt. No, nope, not Epsom salt, just salt. Okay. So you look like you're like in the movie Hocus Pocus and grabbing all <laughs> the salt and getting ready to put like salt around the graves. Mm um and you just fill it up and you sit in it and you don't have to do like any meditative songs or anything like that you're just sitting and all the emotions that you have felt throughout the day are like held on to the little crystallized salts and as they go after 15 minutes you don't want to be doing more than that because then you're like seeing an emotional puke if you will and oh drain, wow yeah and then you drain it and then if you wanted to take a bath that had like bubbles or epsom salt then you just refill it back up and you get your relaxing bath at that time but It's an energetic cleanse, if you will, or hygiene, just like you would brush your teeth. You're doing that daily to take off all the stuff that you've collected throughout the day. And we don't do that nearly as much as we should as human beings.
0: What do you notice when you don't do it?
1: Um, I get easily triggered.
0: Oh, like you're shorter with people kind of thing?
1: Or I get muddled in which emotion's mine. Like I'll walk down the stairs and like, let's just say if my mom came over, I get overly irritated and I'm just like, why am i I was just fine five minutes ago but now i'm not and it's just the fields of their energy one that they're not as cleaned up and if i'm not cleaned up i think of it like velcro it just constantly sticks but when i start to do the cleansing more often mine starts to have more um as if it's like worn off so it slides so they may be velcro but it slides off of me
0: i've never heard that phrase like that where you say i become confused on which emotion is mine
1: Yes, it it's fascinating when you start to pay attention to it because I have walked into several different rooms and we have this comes from um, what we call an open loop system in our brain. So we're hardwired to pick up subtle cues for survival purposes way back when um, to know if like you're angry or upset. I want to be able to have that subtle cue to pick it up where you were like I was really in tune with my dad. Mm-hmm. That's from our open loop system in our brain. Um, and when we are hardwired and we tune into it, then we can unintentionally take on that person's emotional state so i mean as easy as if going through like starbucks and you're ordering a coffee you get to the window and the girl's just like here and you're like what the heck like oh totally i didn't even do anything happened to to me at the dollar store the other day
0: (laughs) and she was like She was like, we're closing. And I was like, well, can I still check out? And she was like, nope, you got to get. And I was like, she was just, and I was like, I left and I was like, "Ah," you know. And you just feel kind of like,
1: ugh. (laughs) You just took on her stuff just because of how she responded. Now you're walking out like, ugh. And then Mm. you're calling somebody like, can you believe this? This girl just told me that it was all she needed to do is just leave it open for a couple of minutes. And now we're, so that tells you how much attached you are and then when you think about like to their emotional i detached
0: sp- pretty quickly yeah thank god well, I, that is good. i gave it some thought and i was like <laughs> you know what she may be doing inventory in there and that's why they're cleaning up early and that place is a mess and i feel for her you right? know and i was like she didn't care about me for a second no
1: <laughs> so and i, I just let it go too. So yeah. then i'm like okay i can see if it's a them thing and i literally have to do like almost a hand gesture back like Oh, like an I like, so like that. An energy that their energy is coming in. And it's just like, yeah. that's a them thing, not a me thing. And so it's just like, I'm giving it back to you. And sometimes I'll do it if it's like a lot, I'll, I'll actually do it. And then sometimes it's just like, I just kind of like brush it if I'm like out in public and I notice it. Um, that's
0: one of the things that was in your TED talk because you talked about uh, sending energy or emotions back to the person. And I made a note of that because I was just curious yeah. if you had some actual That is an actual tangible way to, even if it's not catching the energy in your hand. Right. It's enough of a device that your brain can just do it. Yes. And decide that that's helping. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. One of the other things that um, one of my mentors has done that I've been working on is cutting cords with people. And so. Yeah.
0: You know, I've had a cord cutting. Oh, okay. And um, I'm curious about the. I don't know, psychosomatic or placebo effect of it, I suppose, too. Is that's it that question. or is it, you know, that? I guess that's what I was looking for with the hands, too. It's like can be just something that maybe it actually works or maybe it just makes us think it does and then it works by that way. It
1: probably is both. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I'm really kinesthetic and visual. And so if I can feel like I'm pressing something back to somebody else.
0: What does kinesthetic
1: mean? Um, Tactile and okay. like physical. Mm-hmm. So I learn best those like from a visual and like physical way. So for me, it's it's a way to me to physically acknowledge that something is like bouncing back off of me. So for me, it works in that like capacity. That. Some people are auditory. And so them just saying like it's a them thing versus a me thing, that might just do it. Just those phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, the cord cutting from a somatic experience, I don't necessarily feel feel anything different in my body when i'm doing it and sometimes i'm like doing it excessively aggressive you do it to yourself i do it to myself um what's that like can you so it's just as if i am grabbing the cords that i've experienced and attached and then i'm just cutting nice and i've taught my kids to do it
0: and you wait do you, is that so clap part of it i was gonna say the same okay, thing okay so if you're just <laughs> listening she kind of looked like okay. she was rolling up some rolling up some cords so you
1: want to take the cords from like your body and you kind of image like your body's like maybe this big like a little small jess is over okay here. And I'm like taking, a foot tall yeah okay. so i'm taking my small jess body and i'm taking the cords from it and i'm grabbing them pulling them tight and then i'm cutting them three times one two three and then i say black hole Because I want to dump them into a black hole. So I say black hole, and then I clap twice, and then I clear the black hole (laughs) because I don't want that energy to stay in this room or with me. So it travels somewhere else because energy, it doesn't necessarily go away, it just transforms or it goes somewhere else. So,
0: right. Yeah. You're not, I mean, the energy's still there somewhere.
1: The other suggestion that Hmm. I've been told is salt bowls. So in a workspace where it's like super cluttered and frustrated, salt bowls—the same salt that you take—are you take. a witch? <laughs> no, come I, on. <laughs> I, no, no. I know it sounds so crazy, but I've I've gotten into it in the last like year and a half, and it has helped. I think you might be me significantly. That's, it's okay. I'm into it. Hey, I'm Irish. So at work. <laughs> sorry, salt bowls. Let's start. Yeah. So
0: what what do you I, do so with those? I'm
1: learning all this stuff as I'm saying it too. Um, you just fill a bowl up with salt and water and you place it in the room so the same thing we were talking about like with the bath like bath salts. Mm-hmm. it collects the energy in the room and at the end of the day you're dumping it down and you say blessings 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 down the toilet <laughs> and, yes. and then it goes away so and then you fill it back up the next day but you don't want the bowl to stay more than 24 hours because again it's like an emotional bowl of puke and it's collecting things it just it helps it ease I used it. I had my one of my best friends. Her daughter had passed away last year. She was um, about to turn one, so ten months on a tragic incident. I had flown in oh. on an immediate like flight to to go and check on her mm-hmm. a couple of days after she had passed. And um, I was like, we just need to do salt bowls. And I mean, yeah. she's just she didn't want to talk. She was started like whispering. She just it was. I mean, I, I can't even fathom that kind of loss. No. at all but wanted to support her in any way I could. So I, like we were doing several salt baths a day and she was doing them even like a couple weeks after I left, a month after I left. And it's not that things go away, it's the intensity of the situation that starts to dial down and for you just to kind of just be there rather than lost in your head or energetically connected to all these other really intense emotions that you can't process naturally on your own. And so for me, that's helped just kind of release and you afterwards somatically after the salt baths for myself you just feel clean like you don't feel cluttered or like small you just it just you feel clean it's hard to explain
0: no that makes sense do you do anything after that is that a good time to meditate is that a good time to have some other type of practice that really I don't know maybe sets you up in a neural way that benefits you
1: um meditation is not a bad one i've there's it depends on the individual and like their timing of stuff too because people can become overly rigid in their practices
0: oh i've been there
1: yeah where it's like i have to do this for 10 minutes and then it's another Mm -hmm. this and then it's then you start to lose the real intent as to why you're doing it just becomes a checklist correct and so i never say that you have to do one thing over the other like morning or night get it in like you try to brush your teeth as early as you can yeah. in the morning. Everybody tries to do it two to three times a day, but that's not always the case. When you have the time and availability, the more cleanse you are, the less that you're reacting to other people. And when you start to have those moments where you are reacting more, then you're like, I don't think I'm as clean as I thought I should be. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: this is a good time to talk about this idea uh, that I'm super fascinated by of emotional contagion. Oh, yeah. Which you talk about in your TED Talk some and you've mentioned it in other places. And I just read something about this and I brought the book, but I can just paraphrase, but it's in ego is the enemy, but it was talking about an innocence climb when Mm -hmm. the team is first, you know, team together. (laughs) And, you know, they're like Mm -hmm. rising up and winning and really, you know, the, the underdog effect, I suppose. And then once they're on top, then they're, all these egos are clashing. People can't work together. Yep. And I thought that was... I, I happened to just flip that open the other day and read it. And then I was studying you. And I thought <laughs> that's such an interesting example because we've all experienced that in some way. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard the term emotional contagion until you. And I like that a lot because... It is contagious, so Absolutely. I thought maybe we could just talk about since we're talking about picking up energies and stuff, yeah. which is so interesting too. Because I think people probably look at your work and think it's all science, science. Which this is science, yeah, but it's about energy,
1: yeah. And then they're like, "Wait a minute, are you a witch?" <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, no, that's that's a really big part to any type of team dynamic relationship in any sort of like. People, in people, general, right? It's just people. families.
0: I mean, like doesn't all the matter. Above. Yes. yes, pick so. your pick your group of
1: people. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it's the idea that when we walk into a room, that we can pick up each other's emotional states, but not only that, that we hold on to them throughout the day. And so, as we hold on to them throughout the day, we are constantly compiling all of these, whether it's with our kids, our spouses, our coworkers. And the more that we tend to do that, the more that we are just like, you can see it Mm -hmm. in people's reactions. And the more that we're self-aware and self-regulated, the less that we're susceptible to emotional contagion. We're all susceptible to it, but the less that we stick to it. And so I like to refer it to this principle that I called um, the jumping choya effect. Yes, please, please share that. So... Back when I lived in Arizona for several years, I would go hiking all the time up these trails. And there was like this huge, giant, nice little teddy bear looking shrub. And every time like I passed it, I was like, oh, that looks that looks kind of soft. Well, I was like the idiot that was like, let me go touch this cactus. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to go touch the cactus and its spines on it break. And so the closer that you get to it, it jumps off of you and attaches to you. And the more you try to pull it off or attach like detach, it just splits and then it spreads to the like other parts of your body. So the only way that you can really get them out is to pluck them one by one to get them off. So you have to be super intentional about like which one you're doing and how you're doing it and where it's in relation to the other things. Sounds awful. Painful. But so are emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I like to think that just like the jumping cholla, emotions are just like them. They jump off of people and they burrow deep into our skin. And we let them sit there unless we are aware or intentional about that's not my emotion, that's somebody else's, or it is mine. And this is how I need to correct it. We are just constantly spreading it throughout the body. And the way that emotions and stress works is it harbors in certain parts of our body which then can cause us to be eventually seriously ill mm-hmm. um, in any sort of our body because our body's responding. And from an energy standpoint, the way that it connects with when we enter these emotional um, contagion states is that it hits energy level first, like our elect- electromagnetic field. Then it hits your thoughts. Then it hits your emotions. And then it hits your physical state. But we often don't react to any of it. Until what was it, the first one? Energy. Energy. Thoughts, Thoughts, emotions, Mm -hmm. and then your physical state. Okay, Once it hits our physical state, we're like, oh, I'm I'm just so tired. Well, you had three other warnings right before there, where it was like you could feel like, oh, I'm feeling a little like, ugh. But we ignore it. And then your brain's like, man, I think I'm getting kind of like foggy in the brain. And then emotionally, you're like kind of tired. And then physically, your body just starts to ache or slows down like in its gait the way that it walks but we don't notice it until it hits our physical, but now it's been harbored there for a little while. And talk about being even more intentional of having to recorrect those and what's been in it, because now it's in your body. It's not just in the field of energy. It's not just in your thoughts, It's not just in your emotions. It's physically stuck now. And you have to really be intentional of how to physically release those things.
0: How do you do that? Therapy. (laughs) Therapy.
1: I mean, that's part of it, but it's it's holding space for yourself. The salt bath is another really good one. Once it's in your physical state, we do a lot of different techniques where um, it's like magic boxing or just like reframing the situation. A lot of cognitive behavioral kind of therapies as well.
0: Doesn't some movement
1: simply help? Just movement. Movement. Grounding techniques is Mm -hmm. another really big one that we talked a a little bit about, like getting outside and doing three by three or five by five. So it's, I see the sun, I can feel the wind, and I feel the grass between my toes. And Is so, that a
0: three by three? I don't know what that means. Yeah,
1: so I'm calling out three sensories, three things, three items. So, Or five by five, five senses, five items that I'm like oh. calling it out and taking breaths in between there. So a three by three, looking at the sun, or I see the sun, I feel the wind, mm-hmm. and I'm touching the grass between my toes. And then each time I'm doing it, I'm doing three really big, deep belly breaths to slow my heart rate down and to be really grounded into the moment to being able to re-engage those are
0: great techniques yes <clears throat> those are super accessible and easy techniques <laughs> yes. which i'm all about because sometimes you're like oh now i have to go to therapy or something yeah
1: no there's Mm-mm. there's very practical ones that everybody can do so the salt bath is an easy one energetically just clapping and being obnoxious on clapping for like a good 30 seconds to 45 seconds and you're like am i done yet but that clears out energy in the room too really yes it's the weirdest thing. So if you have ever gone to a conference or um, I think about this a lot because I've done some work with Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi. And after their... Um, I just
0: thought of Tony Robbins when you said that, that's actually. So funny. Yeah. so
1: So after a lot of their um, breakouts or before a breakout that they do with a lot of their groups, they'll all just start clapping. And I'm like, I wonder if he's been taught that. I haven't asked. I should. Um, mm-hmm. But they do that. And I was like, interesting, because I just got you know taught that concept a couple of years ago about how much it cleans cleans up the energy and stuckness or to get them up while everybody's clapping and then they move on to their breakout rooms and then everybody's so excited and pumped and the energy is like reset cuz they just sat for an hour listening to mm-hmm. lecture and now you're wanting them to do applied work and so they'll go in and yeah so it just kind of resets mm-hmm. which is And cool. I mean I can imagine people, you know,
0: oh sure, that's a bunch of, <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. But it really does work. You really do feel better. Yes. I've been in those situations where you clap or do something that resets.
1: And I've been the person that's like, I'm not clapping. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I'm not going to clap. I'm a little too cool for that. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes. I felt that way too. I'm like, this is just dumb. And then I'm like, fine, I'll do it because everybody else is doing it. And then I'm like, oh. And I'm starting to sit up taller and I'm like, okay, this is, it's working. And I'm, like, even more mad that it's working. But I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I know I heard somebody
0: say the other day, I lo- oh, it was Tim Dillon, and he was talking to Joe Rogan, and he was saying, I love being wrong. And I thought, yeah. what a cool thing to yes. say and embrace. I love being wrong. He's so like, good. maybe I'm wrong, and I love being wrong. And I yeah. thought, that's that's pretty that's right. I- innovative, because <laughs> most of us are pretty attached to being right. Yes. Um, so if you're in this, if you get into your awareness, and you notice yeah. an emotional contagion situation, or... It's catching on. Everyone's getting pissed off yeah. or unhappy, whatever it is. What can you do to stay out of that? Is is clapping an effective strategy? Like, I mean, you might worry about looking crazy to right. these people. But what are some things that people can do to ensure in that moment that they're helping to reset the vibe or at least staying in their own, you know?
1: space that's a good question probably clapping out loud is probably not like the most effective you might thing feel for them, weird 100 percent but weird.
0: as for you or me we'd probably be yes. comfortable doing that say, yes yeah which and, i probably would
1: or i you know just make it which is interesting because then you're also setting everybody else around that starts to look and they're and then they start to lighten up too which is <laughs> really right. it's so i mean it still works but if somebody's not at that level of comfortability yet then i would really look back into like deep breathing and grounding and those ones you're not having to do out loud you don't have to take your shoes off it's just quick interactions where you're, you really are just connecting in with the sensories around you and then setting intention for what your next step is because at that point when somebody is overwhelmed or inside their head I can say well I want you to now think this well they're super analytical already That's Mm -hmm. not going to be retentive at all or help them in any way because they're already trying to process so much. So the person that is um, in this ruminative or ruminating or overwhelming state inside their head cognitively, then I would tell them to do more of a physical thing. And so like when I'm presenting sometimes and I get overwhelmed with the crowd or um, I just did this at this lecture in Florida. If I'm getting ready to start I know one of my indicators that I get over amped up is the shakiness in voice. Didn't happen, but I make sure that it doesn't by like curling my toes in my shoes. And so like, even while we're talking, like you haven't seen my feet, but <laughs> the little clench mm-hmm. and it's just to reduce all the extra energy that I have. Cause otherwise I'd be like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Like what? We, and Like the rate of speech would increase. And then like, you would see me fidgeting. So if I can place energy elsewhere, you have no idea that I'm like,
0: I'm clenching my toes right now.
1: Right. And you don't, you don't know. <laughs> but, like your rate of speech doesn't change. Your physiology up here doesn't change. Nobody has to know what's going on, but I'm dispensing the energy somewhere. It's ex- it's getting some out. Yeah. And so at work, you could do it that way, or even sitting like this, how we're sitting, like mm-hmm. squeezing the inner thighs. You have no idea that I've been doing that either. No. Yeah.
0: Happens, get a yeah. minor workout <laughs> right? with it. Yeah. Um, exactly. One of the strategies that you had also. That I think you almost kind of touched on what you were just talking about and reminded me was just okay, saying okay. And there's such like a a detachment Mm -hmm. from engagement in that. And I've done that with my kids and my partner. It's challenging sometimes, but it's so good if you can find that space yeah you can I'll let you describe yeah so
1: I describe a three-step framework and it's okay so what now what and the the okay is really just stopping any additional judgment that you have to the situation and so if I can just and it's not that I'm stopping the situation it's stopping me from continuously reacting to it so if I'm like okay because everybody it's like an acceptance correct Mm -hmm. it is And so as soon as I say, okay, then I can say, so what? So, so what allows me to have like more of this aerial view of what's happening. And in that aerial view, most people are trying to push for their objective to be completed. But if I can step back and say, okay, this is what my partner was looking at. This is what my daughter was. This is where I was. All right. I see it from all perspectives. Now, the now what is, well, what do I need to do? Do I need to attend to him? Do I need to attend to her? Or do I still need to feel like I need to get my voice across? And then if you're willing to go back into that battle, then great. And But if I can separate the three, how you end up doing that, the okay part stops it. I have to accept the situation for what it is and not for what I want it to be. That's super hard. And when I say the so what part, that means that maybe what I wanted isn't what it's going to be, but I still have to accept that this is the dynamic right now. And then now what part is maybe I have to like sit back for a second and that's even more hard because egos are selfish and they are
0: mm-hmm. and that's so what can be hard but sometimes uh, at least for me I can imagine putting it into a term of a year from now would I care about this at all and would be like no and so <laughs> what so, so what though. so what then like yeah. maybe they get their way maybe I don't have control of the situation right I've been working on control a lot though yeah. so <laughs> You and me both uh, it's a practice. <laughs> you and me. It's both. a practice. Yes. But yeah. that's
1: exactly what it is, though. So the so what part is like making sure that you can just you see all angles and then picking out what places you want to. And I talk about that too of like it's assessing if it's worth attaching to. And we talk about like attaching to other people's emotions. Do I want to attach to this right now or do I want to detach? Mm-hmm. And if I don't, then I'm gonna take this route. And if I do, then I'm gonna still take this route, and that's okay. Nothing is not bad. You probably could get to an end goal quicker, faster, a different way, but that's still where you have choice to make.
0: That's interesting too. Like saying, do I want to attach to their emotions? I guess if it's good ones. Yeah. If it's joy. Yeah. Okay. Right. (laughs) I'll get into a space of
1: joy. Absolutely. Yeah. That would
0: be an instance where choosing it could be really
1: absolutely Positive. and that's when you're coming in already at a, in a, a low frequency of energy and you see like a coworker worker are just like excited and you're just like today's not exciting though like why why yeah like and that's the moment where you get to say okay now how do I want to approach this do I want to be the crabby person for the rest of the day or do I want to attach to their level of joy because they can change you or you can end up changing them pretty quickly mm-hmm. it only takes one it's interesting. I was just thinking about how so many times we say
0: laughter is infectious and yeah. all these things. It's the same contagion. Why would we say this one emotion is contagious, right. but these other ones aren't? Right. Of course, any of them can be. Absolutely. Are we quicker to catch the low vibe ones than the high vibe ones?
1: Yes, based off of survival.
0: What? Oh, yes. damn it. No.
1: <laughs> but the, I think that when we are in a state of like the transcendent state and self-aware mm-hmm. state, we, can ha- we have quicker access to the other ones, but we're more susceptible to the lower frequency ones because we're hardwired to pick up the dangers in our environment.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we mentioned intention at the beginning, Yeah, bringing that back around. You said you have that up in your space, right?
1: I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of saying intention over goals. I think goals have been somewhat overused and we just say, okay, what's your goal for the day? Well, it's not, I I have lots of goals, but what's my intention for like right now? What's my intention for meeting somebody? So every conversation that you have, there's an intention behind it, not necessarily goal behind it, but there is definitely intention. Like I want, I wanted to meet you. I wanted to be on your, your podcast. I have intention that this could build a great, you know, relationship, friendship and connection later. There's intention behind everything that we do. Some people just continuously go and not aware of that intention where they get more dictated by others based off of that person's intention mm-hmm. and they lose sight of themselves, which is why they're also on the same breath where they're like, how did I get here? Well, because you haven't set intention, you've let other people's intention navigate. Run the show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so um, with my athletes and my clients on our whiteboard space, we have three walls like this and all of it's a whiteboard. And at the very top, it says, what's your intention? And so every time that we talk about like competitions or practices, what's your intention for today in this moment or each, each round that we go into each round has a different intention. You might have an intention for the practice, but now for this segment, what is it? What is it for this one? I love it. Do you, it's a habit.
0: Yeah. Getting intentional. I've had to get intentional about getting intentional.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very much habitual. And But it's not, it's habitual, but you also have to be deliberate in the directives that you're giving yourself. So if I were to say, well, my intention today is to not mess up, well, that's horrible. No, that's not your intention. Try again is usually what I say. And they're like, but I don't want to mess up. I'm like, I know that, but try again. Like what, what do you want to do? And so where we place our brain's attention dictates the intention. So intention and intention. Yeah. You say the words mess up. Mm-hmm. Now you're
0: thinking mess up. At Correct. least for me, I'm so intentional about words that I use yes. that I would never say it's not to mess up because Correct. I'm guaranteed to mess up. Well, our brains point. can't process anything after
1: that. So mm-hmm. if we say the word don't, if I say don't look at the plant behind you or don't look at right. the TV screen, you're like, wait, what happened? I need to look at both of those right now. <laughs> yes. But if I say, Amy, keep your eyes on me, mm-hmm. your brain just dissipated those comments previously. And your the directive was to me. So the eye contact maintains. And so mm-hmm. We have been trained, I think, just from experience and cultural that we say the words don't, shouldn't, wouldn't, couldn't. But those cause us to have the wrong attention that leads us down the wrong intentional path of whatever action that we're wanting to take. And so the directives that you say is imperative to setting intention. How important is saying it out loud? Um, it depends on the person.
0: Oh, like you said, the auditory thing. yeah, so that was that was an interesting distinction because I'm so focused on voice that it's really good for me. Right. And I just assumed it's good
1: for everybody. <laughs> and it's interesting, given your career path too, because it is more audio, yeah. related and mm-hmm. hearing it in the mic or mm-hmm. hearing yourself through the headphones and things. So for you, yes, I'm sure that it is out loud for me, writing it out is most because I'm kinesthetic. yeah, and then I have to see it on the board too. But if I can incorporate all three, it's even better for attention. Me too. They
0: all help me. Yes. If I can write it too. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. Do you have a writing practice every day or that you do?
1: Um, I do. Yeah, Yeah. I do have a journal that I write into and I set my intentions every single day. What's
0: that like for you?
1: It just, it's another grounding technique for me. Mm -hmm. It helps me get out of my head of all the things because then I get into task oriented of like all the stuff that I still haven't completed, all the things that I still need to do for tomorrow. So then I'm living in the past and in the future. Mm -hmm. And so if I just set intention for the morning and I'll do it in blocks, um, like block or time blocking, what's my intention for the morning? What's my intention for the afternoon? And then what's my intention for at home? And when I get home, it's the energy cleanse. Like I have to just reset. In the morning, it's more um, cognitive-driven tasks. And then in the afternoon, it's more like physical power movement. So a lot of my sessions with athletes are in the afternoon because we're more physically engaged. So when we look at circadian rhythms, our brains are best optimal in the morning for cognitive tasks. We're more primed in the afternoon for physical tasks than we are at any other point. And (laughs) from one to around three, we call it the postprandial dip, where your brain kind of does go into that you know, foggish kind of state because our brains just can't process based off of our natural circadian rhythm of how we operate.
0: Siesta time. Yes.
1: <laughs> Everybody that should be, should have a lunch break. Yes. That just sleeps.
0: <laughs> should I just take a break right exactly. around Exactly. Yes. Get back to it later. <laughs> and then what is evenings?
1: Evenings. Um, so if I, I was an athlete, I would, uh, I would be a power lifter in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. If I was a runner, I'd be doing more runs in the morning than I would in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. What do you do? What do physical. I do? So I've had an interesting journey over this last year. I had a hysterectomy that went bad last June. I'm sorry. Four surgeries. Doctor messed Oh up. my god. And like, yeah, it was. I was in the hospital for almost three months. I got out like October, November. Oh, Jess. Yeah. Wow. Uh, while going through a divorce during that time. Oh too. my god. Yeah. I signed the papers in the Whoa, hospital. Whoa. That's
0: there's a l- that that's was fun.
1: Representative So when of you, something. In it. When I talk about like really doing this energetic cleanse on myself, like I've been super intentional about it in this mm-hmm. last year. But I didn't get off medications until about March because the inflammation and infection. So wow. I, it's it's been a tough journey. I just started probably about two weeks ago of actually just walking and getting active again because I was starting to have inflammation in my joints, like mm-hmm. arthritis kind, where I couldn't get up, like out of bed. Like my arm would be paralyzed. And I'm like, what is going on? But it was medically induced or the medicine induced mm-hmm. all the arthritis where I was having all these pains i was walking on the sides of my feet because i couldn't walk on my feet it was just horrible so and i've been athletic for most of my life but i'm now super swollen and inflamed from all these traumas from last year so i'm like really honed in on making sure i stopped all medicines i've taken like super control over that because they wanted to put me on like chemo pills for it and i'm like not doing that either. Like going back to 100% holistic health and like re getting my body just attuned to itself and like Mm -hmm. regenerating its own level of health. And I have had some episodes of inflammation, but not nearly as much as I was when I was listening to all of doctors are great. not saying they're not just like what was working for my body wasn't working with what what they were prescribing. Yeah. So
0: how did you keep your mindset in a good place. How did you That's a great question. keep up with these things that we're talking about through all of that?
1: Yeah. So the bank loan was happening while I was in the hospital. So I'm having business meetings while I'm like getting prepping for surgery. Um, I mean, you were in the hospital for three months mm-hmm. off and on with yeah. a two year old child. Yep. Two year old and a 10 year old. And a 10 year old. Yep. And my mom was helping with that. And Thank goodness, it, there's no way I would have. At one point, they were like, "Jess, it's either." Well, there is a way
0: you would have figured it out. That's somehow. true.
1: It was either you fight, or the worst was happening.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. at one point, I was like, "I'm done. I like, I just need to give up because this was too much." And it was. Oh wow, that does that doesn't sound like you at all, at all. But it was the lowest hit point, that point that I've ever been. Well, wow. like physically, my body was shutting down. Yeah, and I looked gray and ashy, and it was the doctor that had come in and was just like, "Jess, the worst is happening. So you either fight." Or you don't because i'm like because i had gone septic and i oh had an frost me too put in i had the catheter for 12 weeks both of those oh my god i couldn't shower i mean my a 10 year old was having to bait like there goes your salt it. practice oh. yeah 100%. you're collecting energies so all done. over the place Everywhere. on top of this 100 so <laughs> mentally i struggle i struggled and i have a pretty big um christian faith like mm-hmm. I am very faith-based, spiritually based, more than faith-based. They're intertwined, depending on who you're talking sure. to. But I, for me, it was listening to a lot of my, a couple of friends would send me some podcasts and some like spiritual scripts and had their church like praying over me and whatnot. And there was this moment where it was, sometimes I I give you like the worst circumstances. I'm going to completely break you apart like a phoenix, if you will, and rise from the ashes. But the- the part that I heard the most was, I need you to be at the most raw state possible so that you can hear my voice. So when I say go, you go, when you, when I say stop, you stop from God. And so I'm like, holy shit, that's it. I was like, this is why this is happening. Cause I kept asking for clarity and help and all these things. And I'm like, but I can't hear you. I, I don't know which, I don't know if it should be this one or this one. Cause I'm hearing all these different voices. And I was like, but you didn't have to do the, this extreme. <laughs> Like halfway through, I'm like, but you didn't have to go to this level. And then I'm like, well, you're pretty stubborn, Jess. So maybe he did. I don't know. So I'm like, okay, but that was it. And the moment that that clicked, like my health started to turn and the bank loan went through, like, it was just, it was so many different things that happened right after. And I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe that really was it. And then, so I I took more of a a hard spiritual journey during that point. You think it was... Moving more into that self-transcendent space
0: and just surrendering.
1: Yes. A hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. Cause now it's not when we say that we're setting intentions, I have goals for myself, but they're also just like, let's just see what miracle happens today. Yeah.
0: I just saw that meme where it's like, you know, or read the story or whatever it was. I pictured it as a meme in my head, but it's like the little girl that's holding onto her teddy bear yeah. and God's like. I don't really like that God's taking her teddy bear, but whatever. Right. <laughs> it's not the best uh, right. concept, but God's yes. got like a really yeah. bigger, badass teddy bear behind yeah. him, you know, and, um, and is going to give her that, you know, you just have to surrender Absolutely. whatever you're holding on to.
1: And I think I was holding on to so many things at that point, like my pride that I wasn't working um, for the first time in God knows how long. Getting a divorce. Getting it's a, a huge divorce one. was a big, big one. I had
0: my... Physical health took a turn during my second divorce. I couldn't believe
1: I was getting a second divorce. Yeah. You know, uh, this, so my daughter's dad left when she was two. Okay. And then my ex husband adopted her, and then we had a kid <sighs> together. So I'm like, she was like, "So this, so are you gonna find somebody else, and they're gonna leave me too?" That, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Oh my like, god! Talk about the guilt as a mom. <laughs> and then I'm like, "Okay, great." Just, yeah, I mean, so many things. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't have like. She's great. She's she's such a great kid, and she's been able to process pretty well. Um, but she was struggling last year too, so she was in a very dark space. Oh, I'm sure. Like and it, the preteen yeah. stuff is
0: already setting in. Yeah. So
1: we had to find. Yeah. I mean we had some major difficulties getting her to even to school like acting out just it just was just on
0: top of everything else on top had of that, everything yeah. else so
1: that one was a heartbreak wow. she yeah um but for me i think it was holding on to faith and that it's always worked out one way or another and when coming out of the hospital i'm like this is my chance to really dive into who i am and stop living to try to make this family work when it's not going to, Mm -hmm. when we are on two different planes, that was a big one. And then as soon as we divorced, all of these opportunities just like spouted. And my growth has like substantially where previously I didn't feel as seen. And now it's like, Oh, Oh, Hey, Dr. Garza, here you are. And I'm like, <laughs> I've been here, but that's fine.
0: <laughs> were you in physical pain for a really long time? Significantly. What, are you still? Or
1: um, So they're wanting to do a fifth surgery because I have developed a hernia from all the incisions. I look like a little gunfight on my stomach. Oh, my gosh. Um, They wanted to do that two weeks ago. But I'm like, I'm traveling so much for work mm-hmm. right now that we're going to have to like kick that can down the road. But, yeah, so a little
0: bit. But <sighs> it's. It's just really tough to put all these things in practice when you're in pain. And I just want to acknowledge anybody that might be in pain. absolutely, Because it just adds this extra layer. And I'm speaking from experience. I got sick in July. I, I don't know what it was. Yeah. And my skin was hurting and I, I just felt terrible. It's past now. But yeah. my gosh, it was so challenging it to didn't. really put my practices into in place like i didn't even want to be touched and i felt bad toward my partner and yeah it's trying to power through things and we have to go easy on ourselves and give ourselves some grace
1: absolutely Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing and so i had seen the surgeon that wanted to operate again he's like because i'm like oh great here we go and he's like well how about we're just thankful that like when i read this because i saw a different surgeon for this one he's like that we're alive and i'm like (laughs) That's true. <laughs> get and, the, get the was, bar to the baseline. <laughs> but it was the first time that I've heard another medical vi- provider finally say that because yeah. I've gone through so many in this last several months trying to figure out what's wrong. And they're like, oh, nothing. And I'm like, it's not. There's something. And this guy's like, no, here it is. And I'm like, OK, so I'm not crazy. This is really what's happening. And then he was like, just you've had some major, major trauma in this last year. Like, how about we just want to appreciate that, like, you are here and you're meant to obviously do some great things. And let's just hold some grace for that. Like this vessel that you're in, how about we just show it some love again? And so even as someone that teaches us on a daily basis, I'm human too. We have yeah. to have those constant reminders ourselves to like be grateful for what this Jess in this present moment is doing because she's fighting like hell and she's given it her all. What do you think is the biggest thing you've learned in the last year? Um, that's a hard one. There's like so many different places I could go with that one. I'd say the biggest one is.
0: You could share more than one if you
1: want. Giving it up, like giving, not giving up, but letting things happen naturally. I like to control things. I'm sure everyone that's like in my world is like, yes, she does. Mm -hmm. And so I think stepping back and like letting that just happen I won't have to feel as forceful, like trying to make things happen. And I think that's been the biggest struggle, like in a lot of different relationships and work environments that I'm like, I just want this. And if I want it this bad, like it has to come to me, right? And it's just like, no, it doesn't. (laughs) And you wanting it even more is not gonna make it be there any less or more. And so just being okay with where I'm at. And I think that's the best part, like really living in the moment and I hadn't done that and like really just soaking in my little kid's face. Like, what if this is my last? And my friend's daughter, when she had passed, it's like, we really don't know how much time we have with anybody or anything. And to really value the seconds and moments that you get or to just to have opportunities like this, like not in a million years, but I've been like, hey, Amy, let's let's connect. I, we didn't know this existed even like a couple, you know, weeks, months mm-hmm. ago. And so Mike, just the gratitude that I have for life and people and their journeys has been the biggest takeaway because it's all somehow intertwined. And I'm just more in awe moment by moment of every connection that I get to meet now and truly value it for what it is.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. I can't, this has flown by for me. I don't know (laughs) if it did for you. You (laughs) talked a lot, but it like went by so quickly for me. Um, And so as we're wrapping up, I want to turn it over to you. Is there anything we missed? Anything that you really wanted to make sure to say here today or anything else that is on your heart that you want to talk about before we go?
1: Um, The biggest thing is thank you, I would say. I, I think that the more people can be vulnerable in their situations rather than having to hide behind them, you start to really tap into your authentic self and that along the way we've gotten to this place where we feel like we have to culturally fit in. we have to be a certain way look a certain way and i think that our journey in life as well is to find ourselves again like we travel so far out of it and then to find that unique state of our own and own it to the fullest level that we can helps us get to that place of self-transcendence yeah so the more that you can travel back to you like yourself then the better you're going to be in this world
0: yeah yeah you are a wonderful <laughs> example of that. And I have learned so much. I just was listening to you and I thought, well, that's a great clip. And that's a great <laughs> clip. I just can't wait to share this entire conversation. And I would like for you to please share every way that someone yeah. can connect with you, find you online, all the things. Okay.
1: Um, you guys can find me at Dr. Jess Garza on Instagram. My business is Altier um, TX. The business is called Altier. It's a sports psychology gem. And on LinkedIn, it's also uh, Dr. Garza too. And those are probably the biggest platforms that you'd probably find me on.
0: And how can people find your Ted talk?
1: Oh, um, so if you guys were to Google Jess Garza and then how to avoid catching prickly emotions, that would lead you straight to the TED Talk.
0: Or you can go to the show notes because I will put a link in the show notes and a link to every way that someone can find you and connect to your business as well. And hear more because you have your own show as well that people can tune into. Yeah.
1: So that one here at Ibble is 110% athlete overcoming barriers. And it's about really having healthy mental conversations. We talk a lot about mental health and people just shy away. But We're having just healthy mental conversations about the struggles of sport in life and what it takes to endure as an athlete and as a professional.
0: So important. And Justin's going to be a guest on there soon, so I'm excited for that (laughs) too. Me too. too. Yes. And you'll have to go on his show too. Oh, that'd be great. I think you guys will have an epic conversation. So um, yes, I'm glad you mentioned IBL too. Thank you to IBL Studios and everyone here at IBL for supporting the show, for giving us this incredible space. Join the conversation further at Ible, go to get Ible, and you can download the app and join the conversation. So I'm excited to keep exploring that app. So thank you so much to Ible for their support of the show, and thank you to you for your support. Thank you, Dr. Jess, for being here today. I can't even. This was all just <laughs> thank you, right up my alley. I learned so much, and I just loved every second. And it's so aligned with the things that I've been studying right now too about how we're holding on to things. So. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. And don't forget to connect with Dr. Jess. Everything is in the show notes and keep the show growing, please. (laughs) We, it's, it takes all of us to, Mm -hmm. to keep everything growing. So if you liked it, please leave a review or a rating, share it with a friend and sign up for my newsletter. It's at amyedwards.com. And I'm just so grateful that you're here. So keep up leveling yourself and give yourself grace in all these moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Give yourself grace and just allow yourself to flow with it and keep learning. And who knows what life has in store for any of us. I'm just thrilled to be here right now. Be talking to epic people like Dr. <laughs> Jess and sitting here with you and all these people at IBLE and just all the wonderful things that flow our way. So thank you so much. I love you so much. And uh, till next time, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you so much for being here. Sign up for our newsletter at amyedwards.com.